Hello, and welcome to another episode of Subject Matter Pros. First of all, I would like to take a couple of seconds to thank our sponsor, Branding and Promo. Uh, thank you for maintaining our website and for making sure that we're available for our listeners on all platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcast. I highly recommend them if you need any digital services or any marketing services. Check them out at brandingandpromo.com. So now transitioning on to our episode, um, this is a special episode for me as I came across an article the other day and uh, as a pet owner, you know, this is something which could potentially have serious consequences not too soon down the road. So this episode, um, it's titled uh, The Ten Commandments of Training Cheerio. Uh, it's a little ode to uh, my love for the notorious B.I.G. who has a similar song called The Ten Crack Commandments. Anyways, um, during COVID-19, there's been a huge boom in the number of pet adoptions. As people work from home, um, it's something that a lot of families decided they could incorporate into their daily lifestyle and schedule. So the increase in the number of puppies everywhere is so enjoyable to watch. Uh, you know, as a business, veterinarian practices are flourishing, and so are pet stores and pet food and pet merchandise companies. Pets are causing people to be more active. They're causing them to be outdoors, be more social. All of that is fantastic. However, there is a dark lining to this. With parts of the economy starting to open up, um, just to put a little timeline into perspective, I'm based in Toronto, Canada. So as I record this podcast on June 5th, 2021, uh, for our Canadian listeners, it doesn't quite apply uh, because we're still in lockdown. And unfortunately, in Ontario, we've pretty much been in lockdown since March of last year when the news of the virus and the disease broke out. But, you know, with parts of the economy starting to open up, this is an article relating to the U.S., hence. But with the U.S. opening back up, we now have a situation where a lot of pet owners um, are starting to go back to work and are starting to give their pets away to shelters as they can no longer care for them or they jumped into a decision or a purchase and now it's no longer conducive to the lifestyle or does not work with it. Now, as a pet parent, um, you know, I feel offended by such behavior for many reasons, and this is an absolute shame. Um, I don't want to get into those, as it's not the focus of this podcast. But uh, I think, at the least, before purchasing or adopting a pet, you should at least do your diligence to understand the responsibility and the lifestyle that is associated with being a pet parent. However, uh, there is a remedy, and I think the primary reason why people give their pets up is because of lack of training. So you get a puppy, they're all beautiful, playful, small, cute, soft, cuddly, and yes, a lot of work. But the eros of pet ownership has you excited and in love with your family's newest addition. Everyone in the family starry are and now there's a focal point for interaction and communication once again. I've heard some wonderful podcasts from psychologists on why people get pets. If that intrigues you, give them a listen. So 
returning back to the issue at hand, pardon the digress there by the podcast on why people get pets. Everyone in the family is starry-eyed, and now this pet of yours becomes a focal point for interaction and communication for the family once again. However, a lot of small, cute, faithful puppies grow up to be big dogs, 50 pounds or more, and live 10 plus years. When you have a pet that size that is not trained, it is an extremely distressing ownership experience, and for a very long time, for the lifetime of the pet. This is why a lot of people return dogs to shelters, and oftentimes when you adopt or rescue a pet, you tend to find some behavioral issues just due to lack of proper training when the puppy or the pet may have been adopted. Every once in a while, you may run into some situational thing, but again, it is generally associated with human interaction. It could be abuse or neglect. So just to put things into perspective, um, I have a 130 pound Great Dane whose name is Cheerio, um, the namesake for this episode. And he's an absolute teddy bear. And he's just adored by every neighborhood I've been to, by both people, dogs, Kids are just all over him. If you want to have a look at his pictures or such, uh, you can check his Instagram out at Cheerios Day Out. That's Cheerios, C-H-E-E-R-I-O-S, Day Out. Um, He's not a dog model or anything, uh, but it's just more so a collection of pictures for my great memories with him. Now, I got Cheerio at about 18 weeks of age. And my first trip to the vet with him, he weighed in at 56 pounds. He is about three months shy of his sixth birthday now. And he weighs in at about 130 pounds, as I said. So, you know, I'm blessed to have a dog who's lived a great life, who's an amazing dog. Um, Now, he is my second dog that I've had. My first one was when I lived in the Dominican, and that dog's name was Thor Thistle III, and he was a German Shepherd mix. And uh, the first time I really fell in love with dogs again and decided that, hey, you know what, I needed to have a pet on a regular basis was when I was an undergraduate and my roommate had a white German Shepherd named Nita. And she was just beautiful and it was something where the richness which she brought to my life focused and got me to look into getting a puppy for myself as well. Uh, So my puppy, uh, he's almost six, but I call him a puppy anyways, is very gentle, well-trained, and I regularly get questions from people such as, who trained your dog? How did you do it? Uh, Why is he so nice? Uh, Why doesn't he jump? How come he's so calm? So with the increase that we're seeing in the return of dogs to shelters, and um, almost four plus years of regular questions that I receive about the subject. Uh, Today's episode is going to be about dog training basics. Um, I refer to these as the 10 core principles of dog training. Uh, You can call them the 10 commandments, the 10 paras or juzes, 10 vedas, the pentateuch, the tau. But please, I urge you to practice these as it will help create, nurture and foster a beautiful relationship between you and your pet. A big part of my joy of being with Cheerio is his extreme discipline and amazing demeanor. It creates a really wonderful experience 
every time we're out and about. Um, it allows me to bring him out on a regular basis to the point where his presence brings so much joy that people will always ask me sometimes, be like, hey, where's your dog? If they see me without him. And because of his noticeable size, you know, we become quite memorable. So individuals love seeing him. Now, these core values that I've practiced with Cheerio, other word of caution, they apply to all training methods for all dogs, even those that have extreme aggression issues or other concerns. However, if a dog has some serious behavioral and concerns or problems, such as bite histories, etc., you may need a muzzle or specialized training, as this is for the protection of both your dog and the owner. I know a lot of people go to puppy training and pet training when they get their pet first. And yes, you know what, the stores do instill some form of discipline in that when you're paying for a service, you're more likely to be motivated to be physically present. Now, that physical presence doesn't necessarily translate to a high level of mental awareness when you visit these training sessions. So as a result, you know, once you complete a five or six week training regimen and your puppy now learns a few behaviors and the training session abruptly comes to an end, you assume that the trainer training is done. And yes, while it is true that these first few episodes do teach a lot of novice pet owners and even experienced pet owners. There's nothing wrong with getting your skills refreshed. Actually, it's one of the best things to do on a regular basis is to refresh your skills. But with pet owners, you know, it's a fantastic start to learn some basics of pet training, fundamentals, if you want to call them. But continuing them is very important. Nowadays, with the internet and YouTube and so many infinite resources available to us when you search for stuff, self-learning how to train your dog from the internet is easy. If you follow these principles and implement them to the lesson teachings, you will have a lot more success, whether you went to a dog training school or you self-taught your dog or you're a dog trainer or you even, you know, hired somebody to do one-on-one -on -one training for your dog. So jumping right into it, uh, the first commandment about dog training. Train the owner. I can't stress how important this is. One of the funniest things I've ever heard about dog training, and this is something that I share with a lot of people when uh, they ask me about how I train my dog. And this was to do with uh, when I first got Cheerio. Um, I took him to training class for six weeks again as a refresher for myself as well. And uh, it was once a week for one hour for a duration of six weeks. And the instructor there in the beginning, Cheerio would sit, but he would refuse to go all the way down. And given his height and size and his eagerness and willingness to sit beside me and stay put, I started, you know, getting defensive in that, hey, you know, he doesn't need to uh, doesn't need to go down. He's sitting. It's good enough. He's a tall dog, and the dog trainer was very astute in pointing out that it's that 
attitude of mind, which would result in an unproperly trained dog should in the future, if I, you know, maintain that behavior and attitude. And another funny thing she shared was, you know, when you get a dog, get a bunch of newspapers, roll them up, leave them all over your house. So when your dog doesn't do something that you ask it to do, or it doesn't listen to you, or it frustrates you, or you're mad at your dog, you pick up that newspaper and you smack yourself on the head for getting frustrated. You know, dog training, along with training yourself, it's just like learning, it's like going to school, whether you're going to a trade school or a classical vocational school or a university or a high school, it should be enjoyable. That's where the benefits of it are really realized. And it takes time, so one needs to have patience. Also, when the owner learns to train himself, it creates a much better bond with the dog and leads to positive training methods more often than not. And trust me, once you learn to really train yourself, it gets so much easier to train your dog. You get longer lasting results. You can customize your results to however you want, whatever you want your dog to do. I mean, I just trained Cheerio for basic discipline. Um, I mean, he's extremely well, extremely obedient. His recall is perfect. And um, those are just some of the things that I wanted for my dog because given his size, I didn't want him to jump or do tricks because it may scare people. He already does, given his size. Now, let's say if you want to train your dog in another language or do any um, show jumping or showing or activities or you know agility drills or skills with them, then again, same thing. You need to train the owner first so that you can apply a lot of what you're learning to the dog with a lot of joy. And over time, you will form better bond with your pet. It'll be much easier to do. You'll have longer lasting results. Another big thing about training the owner and why it's important is um, you know, your energy during training and socialization and meeting others. It really reflects upon your dog. Uh, when you're stressed and you walk, you're out about, let's say I'll create an example or a situation. You're out and about walking your dog and uh, you see another animal walking and all of a sudden that dog is larger or you may seem afraid of that dog and you tense up and then you start to project that energy tension that you have from the potential interaction between your dog and the other dog who's approaching you. Sensing that tension in you, your dog gets on alert. Dogs are very vibrational animals and they may bark because again, dogs don't talk. Um, and or may react or jump or do something which may further alleviate or further, sorry, exacerbate your anxiety or your stress or tension that you may have for this. So, you know, training the owner on how to behave properly in a lot of situations is extremely important. Pet owners realize that, you know, pet training is not easy. It requires patience. It requires discipline from your end. It requires you to not get frustrated. It's uh, not easy, but as I said over time, the results would be spectacular. It took me about a year and a half to fully train my dog and to the point where I could have him off leash. That's what I refer to as fully trained. And uh, it's been four years since, and we still practice our 
teachings every single day, multiple times a day. It's just, you know, doing it three, four times is good enough. You know, it just reinforces things you're doing with your dog. But these are things that you need to learn yourself as an owner first so that you can properly pass them on to your pet. The second cardinal rule of dog training, it's always easier to train a more tired dog than an energized dog. Now, don't get your dog exhausted to the point where you have to carry them home and they're crashing your arms on the way home. It's cute, extremely adorable when your puppy's just passed out in your arms as you're walking home. But at that point, they're too tired to be trained. So, you know, find a balance between when they're tired enough where their attention span is slightly longer or they'd be more inclined to listen to you. Um, and then just play with it. And, you know, it comes back to rule number one, just train yourself. Find that balance point that works for your dog where he's tired enough or where she's tired enough to listen to you long enough for you to educate and train them and teach them things, but not tired enough where they are exhausted to learn anything or too rambunctious where they don't want to learn anything, right? So play with that balance. And in training Cheerio, a big part of our success was the place I went to, they had an indoor play session for one hour, which was designed prior to the start of the training session. So I would take him indoors, let him socialize and run around with other puppies for 60 minutes before the training would start. So at this point, all his curiosity has generally been sufficiently taken care of where he's had a chance to meet and greet a lot of other puppies, see who they are. He's settled down a little bit more. And now when it's time for us to practice the work, his mental acuity is a lot more available as well for allowing it to make it an easier training process for myself. Extending on the second one, um, a third big one is walk your dog. People, I can't stress this enough. Dogs need to be walked. Dogs need to smell. They need to follow. They're pack animals. They need to travel in packs. They need to let them mark the territory, enjoy themselves, follow you. It's, it's, it's a part of, it's a natural part of their lifestyle. So don't just drive to the park and let your dog play with other dogs at the fenced-in dog park. I mean, that's fantastic. It's great for socialization. But a well-balanced dog, a relaxed dog, needs to be walked. And an easy tip walk to the dog park versus driving there. I've seen countless experiences in my years of ownership where pet owners consistently drive their dog to the park. They leave their dog unattended in a park, interacting with other animals while they congregate with humans. And I've been guilty of it myself at times, but I've always walked to the park. I don't drive to the dog park. I find that extremely ridiculous. Um, anyways, you know, walking your dog is easy. Now, there's so many additional benefits to it. You could get health benefits as a pet parent. You'd be outdoors, be getting some fresh air, getting some exercise, you have a chance to socialize, it helps with fat loss. Walking really is LIS cardio. So LIS is an acronym for low intensity steady state. So you have HIT cardio, which a lot of people know of, which is high intensity interval training where you train for short bursts of time and then take a break for other bursts of time. And then the opposite of that is LIS training, low intensity steady state, where you maintain a low intensity of work for an extended period of time. Walking is the perfect example of LIS cardio. It helps with fat loss. It helps with a healthier dog. 
It helps you get so many other benefits. So you know what? Just go for a walk. And people, are you feeling lazy? That's fine. You know what I said was the most important rule of having a well-trained dog, the first core principle of dog training? Train the owner. Simple. Just train yourself to walk. Now, almost all dogs need at least five to seven kilometers of walking a day. Yes, that is the daily number of kilometers that every dog needs to walk. You don't have to be intimidated by it. For most people, that is about one hour to an hour and a half of a walk a day. You can split that up into twice daily, but do keep them sufficiently long at each go so that the dog actually gets the benefit of being walked. Oftentimes you'll see people with smaller dogs or you know medium-sized dogs doing multiple walks around the day, mainly I would say bathroom breaks. And yes, they're necessary, but that's not a walk. You know, a walk's gotta be at least 30 minutes. Now you have to take into consideration really young puppies. Uh, if they're less than six months in age, um, or older dogs, or really tiny dogs, or gestating puppies, or gestating bitches, females, or extreme weather conditions, you know, then you can have exceptions. But generally, it's true that all dogs need to be walked five to seven kilometers a day. I walk my day, I walk my dog about seven to ten kilometers a day. Uh, he's larger and has larger strides, so he needs, needs to walk a greater distance. And this was a commitment I was ready to make when I got him. Uh, some days we even go 10, 12, 14K. But the good news is you'll be hitting your 10,000 step goal and crushing it regularly. I average almost 14,000 steps a day and it puts a big smile on my face when I know that I come back from my morning walk and I've already done 7,000 steps from the morning and it's 10 yet, you know, and your goal is 10K. Uh, and you know, what's, what's cool about when you walk them all the time is that it's similar to when you're working out or practicing movement or being active regularly. If you take a day off, you're not gonna lose your gains. So if you walk your dog for only 10 minutes on a day when it's really cold or you're feeling extremely lazy or it's stormy outside or there's a heat wave, your dog will be okay with it because he knows that on average, he gets sufficient enough exercise where it works for him. And no, putting your dog in the backyard does not count. Putting your dog in the backyard is the same as driving your dog park. The fourth core principle with dog training is patience. Dogs have an extremely short attention span. Us humans, as we get older, and we get more managerial in our roles, have more subordinates, we tend to get extremely used to giving instructions, having them ordered, having them followed fairly well, fairly quickly, without too much repetition or confusion. As a result, we tend to forget the challenges of how fast dogs learn. Plus, dogs, especially larger dogs, grow in size very quickly. I've been subject to this myself lots of times, and I've had to control myself and check myself to remind myself that my puppy was only seven months old or eight months old. Even though he weighed 80 pounds or 90 pounds and he was large, he was still a puppy. So taking that into, putting that into perspective relative to a human child, you know, if you have three-year-old kid or four-year-old kid who looks like a 15-year-old, you know, they're not going to necessarily have the ability to reason or write and learn. I mean, you may have a child who's large and in the 99th percentile in terms of physical specimen, 
But let's say if their mental development is still in the average percentile for the age group they're in, while they may appear larger, their ability to learn will still be relative to their age group. So just like kids and humans take time to learn and adapt, dogs require just as much, if not more. And because of the fact that we communicate using different languages, it's even more important to take into consideration and respect the attention span that dogs have. And as a human, not get frustrated. Another key thing about patience is learning to walk away when it is not working. So this is something that my trainer, which reinforced in me along with, you know, if he doesn't do anything and you're getting frustrated and you're getting okay with him not doing whatever it is that you want him to do, that means it's time to temporarily end the training session. The dog is signaling that he's tired or he doesn't want to do it or... I mean, this is true for a puppy. Once they get older, there's obviously other things that will control and determine that. But when you're in the midst of training and they're not responding to you, take a break. Don't frustrate yourself. Don't be harsh on the dog. Don't force the dog to do things. Don't pull him. Don't repeat the command a thousand times. Just be patient, take a break, and then come back. As I said, training is lifelong. You're going to keep coming back and practicing it. So have lots of patience. The fifth core principle is socialization. Humans, please socialize your dogs with as many animals, cats, dogs, rabbits, bunnies, and as many people as possible from a very early age. Dogs, just like people, are born with a blank slate. Unless you got a dog from a shelter or someone who may have had a behavioral issue, generally most pets tend to be curious and unfearful and they will naturally go out there and investigate at their own comfort level. So please, you know, don't project your fears of other dogs and what they may do to your dog on your dog. Right? Let your dog socialize. Now, I think about, you know, most small dog owners have a little phobia about socialization, thinking that their dog may be attacked. You know, big dogs rarely attack small dogs. Uh, in most cases, a small dog will bark at a big dog. And I've seen this across numerous data points, so not something where it's just a one-off. A small dog usually barks at a bigger dog. The bigger dog just runs away because they just avoid it because they know it doesn't mean anything and uh, it's just easier to ignore. Now, if a big dog is vicious, its owner will probably know it. And nobody wants a lawsuit or their dog to be put down. And they will avoid the situation. So let the big dogs and small dogs and dogs of all colors socialize and be friends. And I knew I threw in dogs of color and it may seem strange to you, but seriously, I have a large dog who is dark he's reverse brindle so fairly black with some golden striping and i've heard a lot of times uh my dog doesn't like big black dogs it's okay but you know don't don't be that way just uh let your dog socialize let him meet other cats they'll be good cats will tell a puppy off so fast that the cat is safe you know your puppy doesn't have to worry everything is okay a big thing that you notice on a regular as a large dog owner 
And this is something which is a very critical behavior that flies easily under the radar because of smaller dogs and their size. But you should definitely try and eliminate or avoid it as much as possible. And that is, please do not pick up your dog. When you're scared or you think they're barking at another dog, don't pick up your dog. It's one of the worst habits. Remember, dogs do not talk. They bark. Hence, barking is normal. Let them bark. Now, if they're husky, persistent barking and they're annoying you, sure, you know, you can rein them in a little. But generally, if they're barking as they approach another dog, it's just a communication tool. Don't use that as, hey, keep quiet or react. Let them just be dogs and they'll figure it out. And remember, most animals are nice. They're not like humans. They don't generally scheme or fight unless the situation calls for it. Plus, most dog fights can be sensed and prevented from a mile away. Now, just talking about dog fights, because it's something that brings up, that's supposed to be brought up with socialization, or should be brought up with socialization, in my opinion, is that there's a strong correlation of fights that happen between dogs of the same size and gender, but there's no other correlation. So, you know, it's very likely that two medium-sized males or two large males or two small females or two large females will fight each other. But you'll rarely see a male fight a female or a small dog fight a big dog or a big dog try and attack a small dog. It's very rare, short of a dog having behavioral problems, you're not gonna see that. Another thing that you don't see and there's no correlation is when there's when a dog is neutered or spayed versus unneutered or unspayed. You know, there's no difference. Dogs don't fight based on whether or not you are, whether they're fixed or not. I've seen my dog is intact, and my dog has come across other dogs who are intact, and there's completely no tension. They just play, get along, and large ones too, Malamutes, Danes, Shepherds. I'm uh, um, drawing a little blank, Doberman Pinschers, Rottweilers. So they meet them, they play, and they move on, even though they're intact. And he's gotten into fights with unneutered males and neutered males, right? So there's no, there's no fixing. It's just been very situational. It's when he gets attacked, he will protect himself. But there's a lot more fights that take place amongst dogs that are neutered or dogs that are fixed. But that goes to show you that Really, that doesn't have an impact. So as owners, please stop assuming that that is a reason for dog fights. The main reason why dog fights happen, the two main reasons I think, are generally possessiveness, or three main reasons rather. One is possessiveness. That relates to toys, treats, items like that. The second is lack of proper dominance training. So where that dog believes it's the pack leader versus assuming the human is a pack leader and it feels the need to protect the pack, where you know the dog is determined that the human is incompetent and unable to do, its, do their job, hence it has to step in and do whatever is necessary. And that is generally confirmed by the stress and the tension that the human may project, which causes the dog's frequency and vibration to be stressful. And the third reason why dogs may get into fight is you know if we have two males surrounded or two males surrounding a female, and that competition for sexual dominance may lead to some aggression. And outside of those possessiveness, sexual-related aggression, and 
owner-related dominance aggression issues. Dog fights are almost never. I've never seen other causes for dog fights. Sure, dogs being trained for fighting, and you know, like let's leave out those malicious behaviors. We're talking about pets here. So I've never seen other causes for dog fights. So please, you know, socialize your puppy well. And I've been subject to this myself. There's been times where I'm walking my dog and I come across another large male and, you know, I may be a little stressed or tense, largely due to my lack of faith in the other person's control of their dog, which is, again, falsely projected in my mind. It's a mistake and uh, oversight that I make. But that stress that I create causes my dog's body language to manifest itself, to reflect that stress that I'm demonstrating. And oftentimes, we'll come across and the other dog will just ignore my dog or just walk by us. They'll have a perfectly normal interaction. And that's because his owner was a lot more in control of his mental state and energy at that point than I was. And his dog completely reflected that. Now, my dog has no, he's very subdued to me in that sense. So it definitely makes it easier for me to have that kind of control where even if I'm a little stressed, he's not going to react because generally speaking, I'm okay. But when I'm stressed, I do notice a change in his body language. The sixth rule of good dog training principles is consistency. The first part of that is say a command once. You see this all the time where people ask a dog to do something, whether it is sit, stay, come, stop pulling, or any behavior, and the dog doesn't listen, and then they'll repeat such command, continue repeating it until the dog listens to them. You are not going to get success when you repeat something multiple times. What you're teaching your dog is that, hey, you know what? I'm asking you to do something. It is completely okay for you to determine at your own discretion when you choose to listen and obey my command. So please, you know, I'm going to continue talking. And whenever your highness feels ready to do what I ask you to do, please go ahead and do it. That's what your dog is thinking. So, you know, if you want to have a well-trained dog, the key is say a command once. They don't listen. They've heard you, they're just not listening. Recall their attention using something else. It could be a clicker or a sound or any other distraction or word that you make up. And that's what clicker training is for. And over time, you will see that your dog will learn to obey you when you ask him to do things nicely in one command without having to raise your voice, without having to yell. When I talk to Cheerio, I use please and thank you all the time. I'll be like, hey Cheerio, can you please sit? Or can I please get you to go to your bed? Or in a very normal tone just like that, how I mentioned it here. And he will obey me because over time I've taught him that if I ask him to do something, it's one time, he knows what it is, and he listens to it. And dogs are genet genetically wired to please you. So it is absolutely normal for them to do something that will make their owner happy. Now, the key is with consistency is that you have to do it all the time, and all the family members have to do it consistently. This includes the mom, the dad, the kids, grandparents, uncles, aunts, dog walkers, anybody else you may have. In primitive stages, consistency is what leads to easier training and word association. So make sure that when you're using these commands, using them once, getting them to listen to you, 
everybody practices this methodology, that's when the success really happens. The seventh core value, small wins compound to big gains. You know, um, this is something which is a well-known fact. There's a beautiful book that I read. It's called The Compound Effect. I've read it a couple of times. And um, dog training is just exactly like that. You know, let, let little tasks multiply over time into much more manageable and controllable behaviors. Just like human training. You know, when you go to the gym, let's say if you have been living a couch lifestyle for a long time, you go to the gym, you're not going to sit there and start benching 200 pounds. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to go slowly go away and learn to get movement in your shoulder and then over time learn to do push-ups. Once you're strong enough to do push-ups, you'll go on the bench and slowly build up your strength. But, you know, do it in a way where it is manageable, it is organic, it's sustainable, will not result in injuries, but it takes time. Small wins over time compound to big gains. Same with dog training. You know, like say, for example, if you're practicing sitting and staying with your dog, you know, practice a two-second stay. You know, that's a great stay. You know, like if you tell your dog to stay and you take a few steps back and then your puppy moves. And if he's been still for two seconds, three seconds, five seconds, that's excellent. You have a victory there, you know, because your puppy stayed there. He didn't move. Now, take that and over time, six months, 12 months, eight months, who knows? Soon you'll be able to instruct your puppy to sit from wherever you are in the room. Ask him to stay from wherever you may be in the house. And they'll just stay there and listen, wait for you to unconditionally unconditionally come out or be available until they get the release command. And, you know, that kind of interval will just naturally develop once you really soak in these small wins and reward your puppy for these small wins. Because end of the day, you know, they need to understand that what they're doing is good. You're happy with it. And that doing more of it is a behavior which is going to make you happier. And once they make that connection, then they start doing the behaviors that you like more often, because it generally leads to more happiness for you, and that leads to a better trained dog. The eighth core value, practice. Now folks, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Therefore, please practice consistently and perfectly. If you confuse your dog, they will have a hard time learning, and will likely lead to disappointments and frustration for both you and your dog. More so for you, though. Ninth value, using treats. Now, that is something where, you know, when you're starting off dog training, it is okay to use treats to get them to first come up with associations. But it is very important to wean the dog off treats because your dog should be listening to your command and obeying you out of respect and love for you not out of the anticipation of a potential reward for listening to you. This is something that a lot of pet owners fail to clearly develop. Think of it as weaning your child off a bottle. If you never took that bottle out of your kid's mouth and gave it a glass and gave him a glass and taught him how to drink from it, and all of a sudden your child is 14 years old and has never held a glass, he's going to have a quite difficult time learning how to drink out of a mug or a cup or a glass if all you've been doing is sucking on his baby bottle. So same with dogs, you know, use them as a tool to get you some initial traction. And then once you notice that the dog is being responsive, it's starting to appreciate doing commands for you that you want him to do, that you demonstrate and you praise him, you appreciate his listening skills by rewarding him with affection and love, 
soon they will learn to do that more for the love and affection than for the treat, especially if you're starting to wean off the treats. Now, treats can be fantastic tools for dogs that may have recall problems or dogs that may need extreme attention, re attention diversion. Sure, you know what, please use them, no problem. But on a general basis, um, start off with treats to teach them the association with the command and the action that you want. And over time and repetition, I would recommend transitioning off treats. With Cheerio, he never gets treats, as I said. We are walking, I never have him, I never have toys or balls when I go to the park with him. Excuse me, he has a great life. It's just, you know, I realize that those are things that may create some stress and tension in situations, so I try to eliminate them. And uh, he gets treats for just being himself, you know. So he'll be sleeping on the couch or laying on the couch while I'm doing my thing, and then I'll just walk over, open up a bag of treats, walk over to him, and feed him five or six treats because I love him. And he gets them on a consistent basis like that where for no special reason, for being nothing, for just being his awesome, beautiful self, where he's relaxed and sleeping and chilling, I'm giving him treats. Now that's also some form of subliminal classical conditioning, where you know when he spends a lot of time sleeping or relaxing, I give him a treat midway through his nap, he probably realizes, hey, if I sleep and chill, I get treats, I don't have to really do anything, you know, I just gotta listen to Master when he tells me to, so he's happy, and then just be me and relax, and I get rewarded for being beautiful. You know, that's what we do for all our puppies anyways. So be precautionary with treats and use them as necessary to your advantage. But uh, we recommend reining them in over time. So they listen to you for the word and the respect and not so much for the reward association. Strictly, that is a treat. And the final rule and core value of dog training. And, um, you know, in true biggie sense, this should have been number one to me. That's love. Guys, pet ownership is all about love. Love your dog. Treat them like a baby. You know, they're absolutely precious. They're adorable. They're not deceitful. They truly love you. All they want is to be next to you, be able to be smell you, you know, be able to hear you. Just know that you're in their vicinity. That's all they want. They just want you. So please, you know, appreciate just how magical and how much love pets have to offer. And... We're never going to, as people, be able to reciprocate the same amount of love, but we could try to match how much they give us. So guys, the internet is full of wonderful resources for pet training tools and guidance. So I'm not going to discuss those. So getting, you know, getting your dog how to sit or stay or heal, not pull on a leash. Those are things that I encourage you to search and identify trainers, and tools that work for your style of learning and information intake. Everybody takes in information differently, so please use it to use whatever works best for you. But this is more so about a guide of the 10 core principles that surround dog training. And you know, all the methods that you use will give you enhanced success if you implement these core values into your training regimen. Again, for Disclosure purposes, if your dog has any additional problems such as excessive jumping or pulling while walking or, you know, bite-related issues or something serious, please be more vigilant while you practice these values and you'll definitely see success happen a lot sooner rather than later. 
So just to give you a quick summary of the 10 core values that I've used to train my dog and I've had exceptional results and success with it are train the owner, train a tired dog, walk your dog, have patience, socialize your dog, be consistent, let small wins compound to big gains. Practice and practice perfect and consistent. Be cautious with how you associate treats with behaviors. And finally, love them. All right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today and staying till the end of the podcast. And thank you very much for your time. Hopefully, you were able to find some value in some of the things I've learned over time from having Cheerio and a big part of, you know, what were big drivers of success for how he turned out and how much joy we've had as our, in our time together. Um, so thank you very much. If you or anyone you know would like to be on this podcast or if there are any topics you would like to learn more about, please drop us a line by visiting our website, subjectmatterpros.com. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Branding and Promo, for maintaining our site and for making sure all their content is available for our listeners on all the platforms. Check them out at brandingandpromo.com. Until the next episode.